Peace and blessings, everybody. You're listening to The Good Brother Experience, where it is I, the good brother, the original black man. I am Freak. And man, oh man, oh man. Let me get these announcements out the way. Please drink water. Hydrate yourself. Rate, review, subscribe to my show. If you want to email me, email me at the Good Brother Experience. No the, just Good Brother Experience at Yahoo.com. Quick recap. Rate, review, subscribe, pretty please. Drink water, stay hydrated. Good Brother Experience at Yahoo.com. This is my educational segment. Last week, I promised you guys this was coming. I calmed down from last week. Not too much, but calm down enough to where I won't be yelling into the mic and saying white people are evil and things of that nature, right? But um this if this is your first time listening to me, welcome. I'm happy that you're here. Please tell a friend to tell a friend to listen to me. Um if this isn't your first time here and you've been following my show, you know a few weeks ago I completed the wire. And it's so crazy how they bring you through the lives and through the minds and create themes and scenes uh, equally for both the drug dealers and the police officers. And I want to believe in season three, if memory serves me correctly, Pres Paluski. Now, for those of you guys that never watched The Wire, um, it's all centered around police officers getting drug dealers to say things on the telephone as evidence to convict them in court to get them off the streets. Thus, the wire, wiretaps. And Prespaluski was the brainiac. He was, like, for every cop show, there's always a brainiac. Cop movies, cop everything. In the first Bad Boys, it was John Sally. Um, if you watch uh, The Blacklist, it's the Middle Eastern dude. I believe his name is Robbie. Um... And in this, it was Prespaluski. He's the person that cracked the code. Uh, him and the other uh, black gentleman with the glasses, his name is not coming to mind right now. But him and Prespaluski were the brainiacs. And he's the person that deciphered uh, what drug dealers are doing to communicate with one another on payphones, right? They couldn't say too many things on the phone. So uh, through some type of Morse code, that's how they were able to relay messages messages to one another. And Presbaluski figured it out. He was pretty much in the office, never it was in the field the first season. He was in the office, never in the field in the second season. Third season the opportunity arose for him to be in the field. Him and the other people that's a part of his task unit was out and about. And um as they were out in the forest, whatever, they were chasing down some drug dealers and Presbaluski shot and killed a cop. He thought it was a criminal trying to run away. He didn't say who he was. He didn't say stop. He didn't say freeze. He didn't do anything. He didn't even give the person that he deemed to be running away the opportunity to even say anything to him. Like, yo, I'm one of you. Anything. Didn't see if the guy had a gun on him. All he did was he thought he saw a gun, saw a guy running, shot and killed him. That guy was a police officer, right? 
the people that was in the police officer's uh, task unit, the one who was shot, said, oh, my God, you shot such and such. He killed him. Right. Press Belusky goes back to um, goes back to the office. Everybody speaking with with him, captain, sergeants, everybody. Right. Talking to him like, yo, did you say who we were? Yo, the way this is framed, they can pretty much say that you did this because he was black. Did you just shoot him just because he was black? He didn't even have like definite answers. He's like, I don't think so. Like, no, why would I do that? Like, I, maybe I did. I don't know. It was just disarray and confusion. And he wound up doing zero jail time, zero probation, nothing on his record. All he had to do was give up his badge and became a middle school teacher. That's America. The fact that they can even write that and that isn't science fiction. How you can shoot another officer and it's all good. That's the America that we live in. And before I do this educational shit about police officers, I just want to say one thing. When you're on Facebook and when you're on Instagram and they show you the memories of what you were doing around this time next year. We all have shit to promote. We're all trying to get in shape. We're all cooking food. We're all doing things that we deem as entertaining. We all want to travel. What is going to pop up as a memory on your social media next year? What the fuck were you talking about? Were you talking about bullshit? Were you spewing racist rhetoric? Or were you on the side of the people that continually get hunted down and slain in the streets? You really need to ask yourself that. If you need to knowledge up, ask somebody. Everybody says that there's Twitter and Instagram University, Facebook University. Take advantage of that. Ask questions. Knowledge up. Don't say things as if it is a defined statement. But say things in the form of a question. So you can knowledge up in the meantime. This is the wrong fucking time to be uploading nonsense. If it's your career, it's your career. But in the middle of that, in the middle of your promotion, in the middle of you just talking about bullshit, talking about bitches or talking about niggas or talking about niggas being broke or bitches being broke or who has what or what celebrity did this or what you ate last night, what you're making right now, the workout regimen you're currently on, the, the what's in your fucking smoothie, what you're wearing. Are you with us or no? If you physically can go outside and help anybody, if you financially cannot go into your pocket and pay for protesters that's putting their freedom on the line and their life on the line for the betterment of our children posting is free what the fuck are you posting about what are you going to be doing this time next year when you're looking back it's a global pandemic 40 million plus unemployed whole bunch of shit going on death all around us People dying from corona, people dying from gunshots, people dying from misunderstandings. I've never seen no shit like this. What is your topic of discussion? What territory is your moral compass going to direct you towards? Something you need to ask yourself. All right. 
So I said I'm going to educate you guys as regards to uh, the beginning of being a police officer. That's something that I was very curious about. So I pulled up two articles. The second article I will uh, tell you guys in a second because that is more niche and niche niche. I don't fucking know the word. Um, it's, it's more slant. The second article is more slanted towards a theory that I was told and I found something that can prove said theory. So, yeah, but before we get to that, I'm going to read to you this article. Uh, it was written by Olivia Waxman. It was written in May 18th, 2017. So around this time last year, uh, the picture shows Boston police uh, next to the Liberty Bell in 1903. And it is entitled How the U.S. Got Its Police Force. Right. Something that I was very curious about. Where did this just start? Blue wall of silence, the badge of brotherhood, being able to do anything you fucking want to people just because you got six months training, a badge and a gun. Anyway, it starts off as this. It would be easy to think that the police officer is a figure who has existed since the beginning of civilization. That's the idea on display in the proclamation from President John F. Kennedy on the declaration of the week of May 15th as National Police Police Week, in which he noted the law enforcement officers had been protecting Americans since the nation's birth. In fact, the U.S. police force is relatively a modern invention, sparked by changing notions of public order, driven in turn by economics and politics, according to Gary Porter, a crime historian at Eastern Kentucky University. By the way, I just want to make sure I'm clear. Olivia Waxman, uh, this is on Time.com, Time the Magazine. So I believe that Time Magazine is a reliant, incredible source. If it isn't, please email me uh, a credible source that you deem is credible, and I'll read that on my email portion. Anywho, policing in colonial America had been very informal, based on a for-profit privately funded a uh, system that employed people part-time towns also commonly relied on a night watch in which volunteers signed up for a certain day and time mostly to look out for the fellow colonists engaging in prostitution or gambling boston started this in 1636 new york followed in 1658 and philadelphia created one in 1700 but that system wasn't very efficient because the watchmen often slept and drank while on duty and there were people who put who were put on watch duty as a form of punishment so that shit was either detention or niggas was just getting saucy i understand not much has changed police officers get drunk and drive all the time night watch officers were surprised by constables but that wasn't exactly a highly sought out after job early policemen didn't want to wear badges because these guys had bad reputations to begin with and they didn't want to be identified as people that the other people didn't like. So niggas didn't like cops 400 years ago. That's fucking crazy. Anyway, 300 years ago. Three, three, four, whatever. When local, when local tees tried compulsory service, if you were rich enough, you paid someone to do it for you. Ironically, a criminal, a criminal, a community thug. So essentially... If you had the money, you didn't go to police. You just went to somebody who was tough. He was like, yo, take a few dollars. Please protect me. As the nation grew, however, 
different regions made use of different policing systems. Excuse me. In cities, increasing urbanization rendered the night watch system completely useless as communities got too big. The first publicly founded organized police force with officers on duty full time was created in Boston in 1838. Boston uh, was a large shipping commercial center and businesses had been hiring people to protect their property and safeguard the transport of goods from the port of Boston to other places, says Potter. These merchants came up with a way to save money by transferring the cost of maintaining a police force to citizens by arguing that it was for the collective good. In the South, however, the economics that drove creation of police forces were centered not on the protection of a shipping interest, but on the, preserving, but on the preservation of a slavery system. Big fucking surprise. Some of the primary policing institutions that were the slave patrols tasked with chasing down runaways and preventing slave revolts, Potter says. The first formal slave patrol had been created in Carolina colonies in 1704. During the Civil War, the military became the primary form of law enforcement in the South, but during Reconstruction, many local sheriffs functioned in a way of analogous to the earliest slave patrols enforcing segregation and the disenfranchisement I'm sorry the disenfranchisement of free slaves. So in Boston it was just for people to protect property. In the South it was to get fucking slaves. I'm not surprised. In general, throughout the 19th century and beyond, the definition of public order that which the police officer was charged with maintaining depending whom was asked. For example, businessmen in the late 19th century had both connections to politicians with an image of the kinds of people most likely to go on strike and disrupt their workforce. So it was no coincidence that by the late 1880s, all major U.S. cities had police officers and police forces. Fears of labor union organizers and of large waves of Catholic, Irish, Italian, German and Eastern European immigrants whom looked and acted differently from the people who had dominated cities before. Oh, okay. So when the white people came in and drove the natives out, talking about fucking people dominated cities before, what, the people of color before the fucking Europeans came in, drove the call for the pre preservation of law and order, or at least the version of it promoted by dominant interests. For example, People who drank at taverns rather than at home were seen as dangerous by people, uh, by others. But they might have pointed out other factors such as how living in a smaller home makes drinking in a tavern more appealing. At the same time, the late 19th century was the era of political machines. So police captains and sergeants for each precinct were often picked by the local political party war leader who often owned taverns or ran street gangs that intimidated voters. They then were able to use police to harass opponent, opponents that particularly, uh, I'm sorry, to harass opponents of that particular political party or provide payoffs for officers to turn a blind eye to allow legal drinking, gambling, and prostitution. This situation was exacerbated during Prohibition, leading President Hoover to appoint a Wickersham Commission in 1929 to investigate the ineffectiveness of law enforcement nationwide. To make police independent from political party war leaders, the map of police precincts was charged and changed so that they would not correspond with political wards.
okay so police precincts came out in 1929 okay the drive to professionalize the police followed which means that the concept of a career cop as we recognize it as today is less than a century old with that coming out in 1929 due to president fucking edgar j hoover further campaigns for police professionalism were promoted as the 20th century progressed but as crime historian samuel walkers the police in america an introduction argues that the move toward professionalism wasn't all good the movement he argues promoted the creation of police departments that were inward looking and isolated from the public and crime control tactics that ended up uh, exacerbating tensions between police and communities they watch over. And so, more than half a century after Kennedy's 1916, I'm sorry, 1963 proclamation, the improvement and modernization of America's surprisingly young police force continues to this day. So this shit came out, policing as we know it, in 1929 wasn't that long ago alcohol was illegal at this time Shit crazy right now i do have another fucking uh shit here it's about slave patrols but i'm not reading that shit i was going to but i'm not i think we can stop there in the 1700s boston was like you know what There's a whole bunch of shit going on we need niggas to help out everybody else is getting drunky Let's call some people up. Let's at least get some security. In the South, there was like black people moving too freely. There can be revolts. They're trying to escape. How dare these black people be free? We need to come up with a group of people that can preserve order of these animals, these blacks, these people that only live and die to serve us. Fast forward to the 1900s. 1900s edgar j hoover was like you know it'd be a good idea as opposed to everybody just policing whatever all well and nilly just come up with precincts and then in those precincts they adopted by themselves it's us versus them we're gonna look out for each other they're civilians we are not we're getting paid to fuck people up can't nobody do nothing about it and nothing has changed since 1929. 1963, John F. Kennedy came out with a proclamation talking about police officers. And he got shot. He didn't get shot for that. Got shot for all kinds of shit. Nobody even knows what the Kennedy assassination is about. You know what, Anonymous just coming out of the fold. They let us know how Princess Diana died. But I'm very curious as to why kennedy that shot you never know but yeah man as i was saying earlier how will you be remembered what were you actually doing did you just stand by did you withhold your racism your racist point of view you just kept in the dark because you're afraid of the backlash do you just not give a fuck about nobody but yourself these are things that you have to ask yourself mothers and fathers that are raising black children what are your kids going to say about you you know how much pride there is in standing up for what you believe in your kids 
that are going to be in school talking about you. When my dad was young, he did this. When my grandfather was young, he did this. What the fuck did you do? What did you try to do? What did you even believe in? Stuff you got to ask yourself. Peace and blessings. Pass the dressing. And I'll speak to you in a few if you're just going to listen to both episodes because uh, 39.3 is coming on the way. But if you want to give yourself a little bit of time, I'll speak to you sooner than later. Holla.